Well, hey everyone, welcome back to the Leadership Lessons Podcast. My name is Pastor Daniel Williams, and I'm excited to be back on video with you. Now, some of you, those that are listening all the time, uh, you may not have noticed we took a little season break. I did some special things, episode 11 and 12, to be able to just do audio. Uh, it gives me a little bit uh, time to do some more editing, and there was some test stuff that I want to share with you today that I was doing over the summer that I think you're going to really enjoy. Uh, this is episode number 13, the season five. We're planning to go 22 episodes this season and in a mid-season break over the summer to spend a little bit more time with my kids, to do a little less editing, and to invest in more church leaders over the summer. Uh, I did two Patreon interviews where it was just audio. Now, I actually did have the video. Uh, I do have the video on my Patreon page and Patreon is actually a thing, a part of our ministry that you can be a part of to get this bonus content, exclusive content, and other resources. And one of the reasons I want to do that is because Patreon is the idea is you give a monthly subscription to be able to uh, allow the creator, i.e. me, to create more content. And so for a monthly subscription, you can actually support EE Leaders, uh, and I'll put the, sh the link in the show notes. Um, it's something that I talk about often as I give big book recommendations or uh, Photoshop files or door hangers or whatever I'm doing uh, the month, this month, um, and next month and the other month. Uh, as things come as a resource to me, I like to share those resources so it actually allows me to have a platform to give more stuff away. And so I not only want uh, to thank you all for supporting on the Patreon page and community, but it also, I wanted to support you. And so there's other pastors and leaders in that group where I'm able to actually give out resources and um, support and encourage you guys to connect with you guys. Uh, and so um, really blessed over the summer to be able to take a little bit of a break, but also to pour in to other church leaders as well. And so this episode is all about the Calvary Global Network, the Calvary Global Network. And because I was actually joined uh, by another pastor and few pastors in the Calvary Chapel Global Network movement over the summer to do some beta testing and some cohort meetings uh, where we would get together, connect, watch a training video, discuss about it, pray for one another, give out resources. Uh, it was really cool, beneficial, and we're looking forward to doing this in the fall as well for the Southeast region regional uh, area and pastors and church planners here uh, because we have a heart and desire to connect uh, those uh, people in ministry and just really encourage them, equip them and connect them with other people. And so uh, super blessed to be a part of that cohort, but also a part of the Calvary Chapel movement. Now, may you may or may not know this. Some of you guys probably do, but if you know me, but uh, I pastor Redemption Church Delray Beach. Uh, but Redemption Church Delray Beach is part of the Calvary Chapel uh, global movement where uh, I was born and raised in a Calvary Chapel. My dad actually still pastors a Calvary Chapel in Tacoma, Washington. I've introduced him to you guys uh, through many episodes and seasons. And um, I grew up in this movement where, uh, man, it is just uh, has a great distinctive of teaching through the word and being led by the spirit. And uh, even though we don't have Calvary Chapel in the name, it's in our DNA. It's in our blood. We love uh, these pastors. And through EE Leaders, I've been able to interview a lot of Calvary Chapel pastors, but also 
other pastors of other denominations. The one thing I love about the Calvary Chapel movement in their first denomination or statement of faith, they said, we are not a denomination or in such do not oppose denominations. And so we're just being kingdom minded, being led by the spirit, teaching his word. And um, it's so cool how God has connected uh, us in, at this ministry to so many different denominations, movements, and networks. And I just wanted to share in this episode how I'm connected to the Calvary Global Network. And in fact, because we love getting resources out to people, uh, the Calvary Global Network media team actually reached out to me over the summer and has put us EE leaders in this podcast, Leadership Lessons Podcast, on their Calvary Chapel Global Network media uh, sponsorship. And uh, you can find all of their info and resources at calvarychapel.com. They give out a lot of great resources and other great podcasts as well. And so we're happy to be a part of uh, their um, list of sort of sponsored and recommended podcasts and excited to be able to uh, share that not only with um, the E Leaders community, but my church family, my tribe, uh, the network. And so um, I love being able to uh, connect and share and give resources out. And so I'm really grateful for being a part of the Calvary Global Network team as far as giving resources out to people. And I pray that through the Patreon page, through your guys' support, through the time the Lord gives me, that this is actually helpful for you. Uh, we not only do a video, a monthly, uh, every other week podcast, but we do a lot of video on YouTube. I break up the podcast because you guys, guys, you guys know there's segments. That's right. We're going back to segments. It, the, the last two episodes were just interviews. And actually, I think even before that uh, with Rod and Kai, another interview, Patreon stuff. want to give you a preview of Patreon. But listen, this episode, we're getting back to one one uh, piece of advice videos. We're getting back to leadership lessons. We have Jeff Geip, the Southeast Regional Director and Executive Team of the CGN Network. We have uh, Brian Kelly, a new friend from uh, Cultivate, the church planning program of CGN, and even an interview with him and a sneak peek, a little bit snippet from a Patreon uh, interview that I did with him speaking about the vision of uh, CGN, Cultivate, missions, and church planning, trying to plant a thousand churches in 10 years. And so super excited to be able to share all this different stuff. I want to start out this podcast though with a lesson from the cohort. Now, Billy, we're Billy from Awaken Church up in Pastor Billy up in uh, uh uh, St. Augustine, Florida, him and I were co-leading this uh, summer cohort, and we're going to move forward in the fall, co-leading a summer whole cohort, sort of beta testing it, keeping it small with other CGN pastors to be able to pour in and um, discuss and learn and just have fellowship with one another. And so I wanted to share and give you a preview of a video that I did called Make a Plan. As we get into the fall, I think it's really important to talk about planning uh, structures, systems, while still relying on the spirit and the balance of trusting that God works in the spontaneity, but he also works through structure and through planning. And so a uh, big shout out to that cohort, uh, Tom, uh, you know, Jeff, Brian, Billy, me, um, let's see, Kyle, Roger. Uh, it's just really cool to be able to uh, pour into these guys and have them pour into us. And so I want to preview this lesson for you about me talking about how the importance of making a plan, especially as we're coming in this back to school uh, season, this fall season, uh, strategically thinking about the plans in the fall and even coming up in the next year. I think it's really important to talk about the balance. And we've had just a fruitful conversations. Um, 
about that. And so uh, go ahead and check out this video, check out this lesson that I teach uh, to my peers at the Calvary Global Network, these pastors in this cohort. And then uh, afterwards, we'll continue on and give you more highlight and more vision behind the scenes story about the Calvary Chapel movement uh, and just um, these guys that are making a great influence in our nation and in our world. Well, in today's leadership lesson, what I want to do is I want to talk to us about the importance of making a plan, being led by the spirit to make a plan. I know that may sound a little off or different because when we think of the spirit's work in our lives and our ministry, we think of the miraculous. Uh, We think of the supernatural. We think of things that sometimes aren't as simple as working with God and what he wants to do with people's lives. But I think that we need to understand that God not only works in the spontaneity, but he works through plans, through structures, through systems, and he's actually a planner himself. God wants us to lead like he leads, and he is a planner. Now, I don't know about you, but I am so ready for the fall. Well, I should say back to school. It's still August. My kids start school this week, uh, and it's sort of fall season here in South Florida, even though it's so hot still. But man, I love summers. Um, Man, our family hits them hard. In fact, my teenage son didn't wake up until one o'clock last week, uh, yesterday. He's still uh, gonna be struggling this week because he's going back to school because we stay up late, we go to bed uh, late, we wake up late, we sleep in. Uh, Our normal rhythm is off in the summer and I love it. And our kids love it. because it's vacation mode, it's more relational, but it is different than the normality of the school season. It's more spontaneous, right? Uh, When fall hits, uh, we go back to school, we get a whole new rhythm, a whole new structure, we start going to bed early, waking up early, Uh, we go back to school and have that rhythm and that discipline. Dinners become earlier. Uh, We start going to the gym. You know even a fall rhythm in the church season, consistency, attendance start coming back. Uh, We have uh, all these different things, women's prayer groups, uh, community groups, youth groups, all on a structure, all on a system. And there's just something about uh, a consistent structure that helps us as humans thrive and actually be efficient. Uh, Now, even though my kids love the summer break, the school year, right? Uh, uh, The school year is so much harder for them but probably more fruitful. Uh, It's a little bit harder for them, but it's fruitful because of the discipline that the school year gives them. It's just the daily grind. It's not glorious. Even though summer may be one quarter of the year, three quarters of the year, they're in school. And yet both of these seasons are a part of their year and their life. Summers and falls are both great and a part of the year, even though they may prefer one season or the other. I start our time together thinking about seasons and this illustration because I want to remind us that in ministry, uh, we need balance. Uh, We can't just have one season or another. The Bible does talks about seasons, and we need to understand that God uses a lot of different seasons in our ministry. You know, in the first session we had together in the beginning of this uh, summer session, we talked about dreams, how God puts it in our hearts. And uh, so cool to hear stories and share stories of what God is dreaming in our minds and giving us and, and giving us vision. And and then Billy did such another good, good job in session two about, you know, having a strategy 
for that dream, uh, being intentional, being inspired. I'm still thinking about the 20 miles a day, man. You just 20 miles a day. You just go at it. You go hard and you just do this, do this. Um, these sessions were very good, very ins- inspirational. But what I want to do is challenge us and bring us to some balance today and ask this question. So what's the plan? Like, like what? What is the plan? What are the action steps now of the dream and the strategy? What are we going to do as we go back into a rhythm that may be harder, that may be more busy, that maybe takes a little bit more discipline? What's the plan for our dream? What's the plan for the strategy? And I want to propose to you today that we actually need inspiration and action. Uh, We need to rely on the spirit while making the plan. Just like a year has both fall and summer, uh, we need both to be balanced. And God uses both seasons. He uses the spontaneity of his spirit and leading us in very incredible ways. But also he uses the mundane and, and the planning and the work and the discipline. And I would propose to you that these things don't compete they actually complement one another. They complement one another. Now, why is this? Uh, why do we want to embrace a plan in our lives and for our ministries? Well, because God, who is spirit, is a planner. Uh, turn to me with Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 through 5. It's a very familiar verse, especially when thinking of Christ's birth in the Christmas story. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 through 5, The Apostle Paul says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. Now, I love this verse. I love it because it reminds me of the glorious and supernatural birth of Jesus. He was born of a virgin um, by the spirit. And this supernatural birth was strategic and and intentional and planned out by God himself. God executed an incredible plan for our salvation, for our redemption. This was God's doing. It was no accident. It was his perfect plan. And Paul says this plan, uh, well, it was when the fullness of time had come. Uh, This was intentional. It was at the right moment, at the right time in history for the redemption of all mankind. 1 Timothy 2.6 says that Jesus came to give himself as a ransom at the proper time. At the proper time. Uh, There's no accident. It's a part of God's plan. He planned this out. The moment in history for Jesus to come to be sent at this proper time, this miraculous thing. So much so that he would prophesy about it and he would tell people and then execute it perfectly. I I just, I love that. I love seeing God take action and implement a plan. And this is so important for us to understand. You know, growing up, I watched this show called The A-Team. That's right. You may or may not know about The A-Team, but actually it's sort of coined from a phrase that the U.S. Special Ops or Special Forces would call their elite people or group, the A-team, right? Uh, It was a show about these four guys that were on the run. They were uh, ex-special forces, but they actually would be hired by money to help people out because of their incredible skills. They were this awesome team accomplishing these awesome 
missions uh, each episode. And of course, they were doing all this in a black awesome van. Okay, you should totally Google it. Now, if you haven't heard of the show yet, um, you probably have heard of one of the main characters, B.A. Baracus. His name was just called him B.A. B.A. stand for bad attitude. You also may know him in his real life name, I guess called Mr. T. That's right. Mr. T. If you haven't heard of Mr. T, okay, you're not clearly living. Check out A-Team. Check out Mr. T. It's incredible. Mr. T had this catchphrase called, uh, he would say, I pity the fool. It's a terrible impression, but he would say, I pity the fool. And uh, he was known for this. And in this show, the A-Team, the fool catchphrase was, I pity the fool that steals my van. I pity the fool that acts so stupid that they would come pose me and steal my van, meaning they would regret meeting him because he would give vengeance and he was sort of like the cool, tough character, the muscle. Uh, He actually wore all these gold chains around his neck, had a a super uh, long mohawk and shaved head and was this big buff black guy. Um, So much so that I remember even watching the show and seeing in stores, he had his own action figurine doll, uh, real life, uh, because he was just so cool. He got most of the attention of the show, but he wasn't the only main character. He just got the most attention. No, 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 my friends. This was a team. This was uh, the A team. And there was Templeman, Faceman, Peck. He was called Face. Uh, he was the beauty. Uh, he was the womanizer. Uh, he was the one on the team that, that had the good looks. There was Howlin' Mad Murdoch. They called him Murdoch because he was a little bit crazy but creative. He was like the one that can get those uh, crazy ideas and implement these things and just do nutty stuff. A little wacky but part of the team. There was John uh, Hannibal Smith. Now, he was the boss. He was the leader. He was the brains. He was the older sage, the wiser guy. Uh, Hannibal, the boss, wasn't the strong muscle guy, but he was smart. He was had a plan. He was the brains behind the operation. And he had another catchphrase. Uh, he would always say, I love it when a plan comes together. He'd always be smoking a big cigar, a big stogie, saying it at the end of almost every episode. Oh, I love it when a plan comes together. You see, the team needed all of these characters and jobs and roles to accomplish the task at hand. Even though Mr. T was the most popular, he was the flashy, the muscle, the cool guy, the team needed the brains, the structure, the organization. Uh, Just like you and I may think of how the spirit moves, the gifts of the spirit and charisma and the flashiness and all this different stuff, the spirit also uses planning. See, we often get excited about the miracles and the supernatural, but God also works through the mundane and the natural. Now, growing up in the Calvary Chapel movement, I think that there was an emphasis on having a balanced approach in ministry as we taught through the word, right? And I love and appreciate this about our movement. Uh, It's the word, but it's also the spirit. Uh, We're charismatic, but there's an order. Uh, And I think unintentionally, I was led to believe that The spirit primarily works through spontaneity, not so much planning, spontaneity. I mean, with the catchphrase from Chuck Smith, like blessed are the flexible for they will not be broken. Things change and God changes and you got to be sensitive and move to that. 
And there was oftentimes when you are sensitive mood to that, that he does miraculous, incredible things. Uh, coupled with Proverbs 16, 9, man plans his ways, but God directs his steps. Or Zechariah 4, not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. You are trained and taught to intentionally lean on the Spirit and always die to yourself, die to your plans, and look to the Lord, which is so good, so great. But in my false thinking, there was some thing in the back of my mind, look, well, well my plans, my efforts, well, they don't really matter as much because God's just going to do something anyway and spontaneously happen um, because this is how the Spirit moves. Even an example of afterglow services, which our church still does, uh, where we would wait on the Lord and have his spirit manifest um, the gifts of the spirit through the body, really with no agenda, no plan, and God would just show up. And so it got a lot of attention, rightly so, um, in our movement. And I really appreciate that. I embrace the gifts of the spirit. I love how God works in the supernatural, how he leads through spontaneity, because it's a biblical approach. God does move in this way. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter three, the wind, well, man, it blows where it wishes. And so too, it is with the spirit. You know, Jesus would even be interrupted by the spirit of God, uh, against his own plan. Uh, if you think about this, Jesus was going to heal a young woman in Luke chapter eight, but then there was an, another older woman with the issue of blood who touched him and he was shocked. He's like, wait, hold on. I had a plan, but wait, something is happening. I need to be sensitive. To what's happening right here. So the power has left me. And then he ministers to this lady with the issue of blood. Uh, we should expect the spirit to move and to work spontaneously. So I want to make sure you hear that. I want to make sure you know that, that we need to be sensitive uh, not, um, he doesn't have to tell us the plan. So it's going to be spontaneous to us. In fact, Henry Blackaby in his book, experiencing God, he says, watch to see where God is working and join him in his work. And so I, I love that about our movement. I love that we are being led and ministered and trained to be sensitive to the Holy spirit in his leading, not trusting in our own plan because it's scriptural. Colossians two, six says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, man, walk in him. We need to walk in the spirit. And this uh, is exciting and spontaneous. And it reminds me of Mr. T. I know it's a terrible analogy, but just go with me there. Okay. He gets a lot of attention. He has the cool catchphrase. He has the action figure doll, but he's not the only person or part of the team. There's Hannibal, the brains, the smarts, not the muscle, not the cool person, but the person working behind the scenes. I think so too, like the spirit, oftentimes we have a primarily way or an idea that God works just this way. Just like how some people can lean on only planning and not lean into the spontaneity of the spirit and the leaning of the spirit in certain ways to do things that he may have not have directed us until that moment. We have a tendency and the false thinking was a primary way that the spirit works when yet it's not an either or it's a both and let us not forget that the spirit of God not only works in the miraculous and supernatural, but in the mundane and in the natural in spontaneity, but also in planning. You see Galatians 4, 
correct in my thinking and encourage me because it shows me that our God is a planner and he works in that way as well, even though oftentimes it may not be mentioned a lot or even thought about a lot, especially maybe if you've grown up in a more charismatic Pentecostal way where you're seeing a lot of the spirits leading and it's awesome. And so you lean and bend towards that. But you could also start thinking that planning is bad or ungodly. And I'm here to tell you there's both. You see, Jesus came at the appointed time when the fullness had come, the scripture says, according to God's purpose and plan, the Holy Spirit works through planning. Jesus knew this plan as he would often say, hey, I I must do the will of the father. In fact, the disciples in one gospel account shares a story where Jesus is oftentimes praying, like Luke says, and he's out with the Father, meeting with him, getting the plan, praying, listening to God, talking to him, and all of the people from the town, they hear that Jesus come, they want healing, they come to Jesus, and the disciples are like, listen, we're we're trying to find you because all these people are here now, they want to be healed, and so you got to do this, and Jesus is just like, nope, we're going to go and preach the gospel. They're like, what? I've met with the Father. I know my role. We have to go to the next town to preach the gospel. That was a part of the plan. He got his orders. He moved and obeyed God. And this is so important for us to understand. Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets. The Bible says he was full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit. But yet God's plan led him to fulfill God's will and purpose in this life. And so too with I. So too with you and me. You see, it's not an either or, it's a both and, and the spirit works both in the natural and in the supernatural, just like the A-team using both the muscle and the brains, Mr. T and Hannibal. Man, we need to embrace all of the works of the Holy Spirit and in our ministry and how he works, not just in the spontaneity, but in planning, because both are important aspect of leading. Again, people love to embrace miracles, but not the mundane because miracles are awesome. But God also uses the everyday normal stuff of life, putting faith into action and making a plan. Little steps of faith he does honor for it's impossible to please God without faith. And our faith needs to have action. And so when we plan and execute our faith out, God blesses us in a very supernatural, natural way. And he works through intentionality, strategic planning, vision. And I love that and encourage me because those are some of my primary giftings. When you think about leadership or administration, these type of gifts are from the spirit, not just speaking in tongues or prophecy. There's teaching and helps and all different types of gifts from the spirit, but coming together, he works to minister and bless the body. You know, my dad, Joe Williams. He's a Calvary Chapel pastor for 40 years now in Tacoma, Washington, the Pacific Northwest where I grew up. He would always tell me, Daniel, God gave you a brain to use it. God gave you a brain to use it. Meaning, hey, wisdom is a good and godly thing. Making a practical plan and praying through it, taking steps of faith is actually a good and wise and spiritual thing to do. He would also tell me growing up, listen, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. It's pretty hard to hit a target uh, if just by random chance. You have to have some intentionality, some action steps, a plan of action to do this. And I think I see a pretty 
a balanced view when I look at it being filled with the Spirit and how the Spirit works in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 18. It shows us this both and mentality approach, how we're to use our time wisely and plan accordingly unto the Lord, being led by the Spirit through a plan. Look carefully then how you walk, the Bible says, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is a debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. We uh, are to be wise and make the best use of our time, having a plan, a step of action, while relying on the Holy Spirit. It's both. And so I've learned now to celebrate more of having a plan in my leadership, in my life. And it's actually helped me. And it's helped me, I think, in three primary ways. Uh, one, planning helps with perspective. I would challenge you to do this exercise even as a leader for your church. One thing I like to do is map out a church year, a calendar, to map out a calendar and just to start writing out all the events to see if the events that um, we're doing align up with our values that are important to us. For example, I was recently doing this. And I noticed that all of these events were great events, but they were focused on fellowship, which is an important aspect. But I got perspective and noticed there wasn't a lot of evangelistic events either. Uh, And so I needed to add that to my calendar. Uh, Just mapping it out, planning gave me perspective to get the big picture. And so this simple exercise of just, uh, you know, counting out each event, what category it goes into, and it it helps me understand and see and gave me perspective. And, And when you plan, you get perspective on the big picture, not only for yourself, but for your team. Uh, if, if the worship leader knows what topic the message is, he's able to plan it out and choose a song that could have a great impact uh, and emphasis on your teaching. Or the creative team can work better and flow better with the slides or creativeness of a series that you're wanting to plan out and teach through. And so it just gives people perspective of where you're going when you plan out. But planning also helps with prioritizing. Once you see the big picture, you can prioritize because I've found in my life, I can't do it all. Uh, I'm limited and planning helps me see this. You see, as I designate time and write things out on the calendar, um, like to study or to pour into my team, I realize that my calendar gets full real quick. But that's okay because now I can say no to other things and opportunities they come up. And I've learned from a very young age that you have to actually say no to some good things so you can say yes to some God things, the things he's called you to do. And so as I start putting the big rocks and plan out, hey, this is a really important thing, like my my anniversary trip. I'm going to have to say no to go to the, the conference in California. Or, you know what, um, this is really an important event for my son. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I go to that. Uh, it, it holds me accountable on my calendar to walk out what I value and prayerfully as a spirit leads what I want to do to hit my goals and my targets. Um, opportunities, they come, but they go. And how will I know what to choose, what not to choose? Well, unless the Lord says, do this, I can look, God, I know that you've called me to be a father. I should spend time with my family. So what are some big, important family days in my calendar that I can block out to do that? Maybe I shouldn't spend seven nights a week out in ministry because I made it a priority um, to say no to some things so I could say yes to my family, which God's called me to. 
And so you get the idea. Once you get perspective, you can start prioritizing and then it helps you prepare. It's helped me prepare in such a great way uh, to focus my time to action. Uh, Like I knew I was going to do this teaching. So I blocked on my calendar. I need to study. I need to think through. I need to record it, need to upload it. That's all going to take time. So I'm going to block out this amount of time for this teaching and it helped me prepare to actually get something I wanted to accomplish this video. And so, um, man, when we know, uh, where we're headed through a plan, it actually helps us to move forward. And so I I just thinking about this summer and coming to conclusion with this last session, um, and thinking about just inspiration and, and we all have dreams and, and a strategy and, and just, uh, we want to move forward, man, as we plan, as we write out things on our calendar and take action steps know that the spirit uses this as well listen do things always go according to our plan absolutely not you know that as much as i know that that's why we have the verse man plans his ways but the lord directs his steps but that's okay because even though they may not go according to our plan no one will thwart god's plans and we don't trust in our plan we trust that god uses a plan We trust in him and the person of God, his spirit to be a planner and to use people like you and I for our little efforts to multiply and to do great great things through it. And so be intentional. Let us just finish this summer strong by asking and praying God and, and just going to him and saying, God, what's the plan? Could you help me make some action steps to accomplish my dream? I have a strategy. I know the big picture. What do you want me to do next? What does it look like for you to move into the fall and have a new rhythm in this school year for you personally, for you as a family, for you as a church family and in leadership? I would encourage you to make a plan. The spirit uses not only spontaneity, but he can use a plan as well. Let's not overemphasize one or the other. Let's do both and let's rely on the spirit of God. Well, I've literally loved being able to be in fellowship with so many cohorts. And honestly, the long-term vision is to have a few EE leader cohorts where I can connect you guys with other pastors, ministry leaders, and just be able to encourage and equip other people. I love involving people that I'm connected with. And so one of the smart ways or uh, short-term ways that I'm doing this is through the Patreon page that I have through EE leaders to connect you guys, to show you behind the scenes what's happening and just to give the vision to give you resources, encouragement, but also to do Q&A, to do coaching. And hopefully uh, soon, after we give it a few more months of working out all the the tweaks, uh, we'll be able to do some actual uh, Zoom meetings in this community as well, because I know that there are many people listening and watching, and I appreciate it. But I want to be able to connect even more. And if you want to connect with me, man, I had a great time talking with Pastor Matt up in Pensacola area this last uh, week listening to his story, praying for him. Shout out to you, buddy. Uh, man, uh, I'm willing to connect with you guys. My email is daniel at eeleaders.com and feel free to reach out if I could do anything, if I can give you more resources, have a phone call conversation, or even pray specifically in person. I'd love to do that. I take this seriously. I do pray for you all. And so uh, I love not only the ministry of pouring out into you, but the Bible says he, those that refresh 
uh, people are refreshed themselves. This is an important meeting for me, my leadership skills. I'm just literally learning as you guys are learning, asking people to share their wisdom. And I'm excited for more people to share their wisdom um, in this episode. And uh, as I'm serving, God blesses. And I've been loving uh, leading that cohort with uh, Billy. He's done such a great job organizing things uh, in the back end, connecting. We have a group chat, uh, those type of things. And I want to recommend a book that he recommended to you or to me. Uh, It's called uh, Leadership as an Identity. Leadership as an Identity by Dr. Crawford Larris. Now, uh, Pastor Billy actually got mentored and uh, poured into by uh, Dr. Larris, and uh, this book is fire. Uh, it's talking about the four traits of those who wield lasting influence. And so it's really a deep book about character and who you are. And those four traits are about being broken, uh, uncommon communion, just communion with the Lord, servanthood, and radical and immediate obedience. And it's like one of those old school guys giving you that wisdom and godliness and saying the things that need to be said and so good. And so as you guys know, we talked about Patreon. I got like six, seven, eight pages of quotes, things that I've underlined, typed out and uh, give that to the community just so they can get a a preview of what this book is about. Uh, I'll put that in the Patreon page. You can get the Patreon notes there, but I I would really recommend this book to you. It is fire. And if you do some Google search, I think he's talked a podcast about this book. I think it just released on audiobook as well, but man, really highly recommend it. That's that's the beautiful thing about being connected and, and being in fellowship. You get to share resources. You get to ask about what God is teaching them and, and learn from one another. And so again, as I'm learning and as I'm growing and as I'm connected and even growing in my ministry and my leadership uh, and learning these things, I'm passing stuff on to you, book recommendations, um, people and those type of things. And that's what I love about really the Calvary Chapel movement. Growing up in the Calvary Chapel movement, there wasn't a competition. It was we're there together. It's not a denomination. It's affiliation. We have fellowship. We have loving accountability. We hold one another up and and are here to support one another. And so uh, this is just uh, a part of the DNA of the Calvary movement to give open-handedly, to love, to be kingdom-minded, to church plant, to make uh, much of Jesus, to evangelize. Um, These things that have been instilled in the me i just want to pass that on and um it's so cool to be able to do that and so i want to do that with not just myself in a lesson but a few other friends from the calvary global network uh first we'll start with brian kelly Uh, i met him in the opportunity to be able to co-host a few episodes of the cultivate church planning uh podcast he started that off and was uh, eventually calling me and asking me um about tech and podcasting and those type of things. And then I was just like, bro, come over here to the East Coast. I'll I'll, I'll interview some of my friends and we can just connect and have some fellowship. And so uh, Brian was such a sweet guy, strong fellowship as far as getting tons of stuff done. He did a leadership lesson. He did a Patreon interview which I'll give you a preview of that in a little bit. And he did a one piece of advice video for the EE leaders community. And then we co-host uh, three other interviews for his podcast as well. So uh, just super cool to have him in our, our cohort and in our, our state, in our region. And awesome to see how the Calvary Global Network is focusing on missions and on church planning and reaching people for Jesus. And so he is going to share a one piece of advice video about how to be relatable. And I could just testify, man, this is a part of the 
Calvary Chapel movement, I appreciate. We are led by the Lord. Uh, there is no hierarchy. There's elders amongst the church, and you are free to teach whatever uh, book of the Bible you want or uh, be led by the Spirit and be yourself. And uh, I think that that's so important. Listen, I'm goofy. I know I'm not perfect. Um, I'm just making all this stuff up as I go, as I see it in my mind and have the vision. I'm just really, this is a ministry that I, I just, uh, God has put in my heart and a calling that I have. And and I have the opportunity, the freedom to do that within our movement um, and to be myself. And I just love that. And so um, I think it's really important as I introduce all these people to you. And one of the reasons I do that is because I think that we have freedom to do that uh, within scripture. And even as Paul said, it's not wise to compare ourselves with other people. We celebrate. And so here's Brian's uh, sort of a way of introduction. Brian Kelly, he's planning a church over in the West Coast of Florida, West Bradenton. And uh, here's his one piece of advice ministry for us today. Hey, my name is Brian Kelly, and I'm working with the Cultivate Church Planting in Calvary Global Network, CGN. It's great to be here, and I've got one piece of advice. And, you know, being a church planter, I'm planting a church uh, in Florida on the West Coast in Bradenton. And being a pastor, the one piece of advice that I've found to be the most helpful uh, as, a, as a Christian leader, as a pastor, is to be relatable. And... You know, that, that word relatable is always in the front of my mind. What does it mean to be relatable? It means when people uh, are with you, they can make a connection with you. They can, um, they can relate to the things that you live through, that the life experiences that you have. They don't feel like they're some second-class citizens. You know, we've had uh, pastors in our lives, senior pastors. We know that it's like they're a, 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 a way up on a pedestal, way up on a stage. Listen. Leaders, church leaders, pastors, be relatable. When you're relatable, four things are going to happen. Number one, people are going to be able to say, I understand you. They're going to understand who you are, where you're coming from, and vice versa. They're going to understand you. Secondly, they're going to say, I like you. <laughs> now, I know our goal isn't to be liked by everybody, but, uh, you know, because we're teaching the Word of God, and sometimes, you know, they, we say things people don't like. But if you do it in a relatable way where they know you're not preaching down at them, but together on the whole same plane, they're going to like you. Number, number three, they're going to trust you. They're going to trust you. I don't trust someone that's up in the bright lights and, you know, has a cheesy smile on their face, see, like mine. Uh, I don't trust someone that's like that. They're going to trust you if you're relatable. And then fourth and finally, they're going to be able to learn from you. This is the goal at the end of the day. Jesus was relatable. He went to weddings. He hung out. He went to the tax collector's house. He had dinner together. He wasn't, he was one of the, the people. He was relatable. If there's one thing that I could say that has benefited my ministry and my leadership more than anything I would say practically is being relatable with people. Don't, don't try to pretend. You know, just be who you are and uh, you're going to find it's going to really benefit your life and ministry. Well, like I said, I'm super blessed to be a part of this cohort and to learn from these guys like Brian Kelly and even his podcast. Check it out. It's Cultivate Church Planning Podcast. He's interviewed a lot of people that I know, but also just tons of people and getting connected in godly men and women that are about church planning. If that's your niche, I'd highly recommend it. Check out the Cultivate program. I'll get a little bit more vision and a preview interview with him. But before we do that, I wanted to introduce you and give you another um, sort of be uh uh, wisdom and insight and leadership lesson from a guy named Jeff Guype. Now, Jeff Guype is a part of the executive team of the Calvary Global Network. Um, 
and he's a part of this cohort and Southeast Connector region, regional connector guy. And just have loved getting to know him, his heart for ministry, uh, behind the scenes, in the cohort, um, those type of things. Just a sweet guy. And him and Brian actually are going to be going to India uh, in November, the first week of November, Lord willing, to put on a pastor's conference for a lot of church plants and pastors in India. I'd ask for you to pray for them uh, because God is using uh, these networks and people um, to really reach the nations. And it's so cool, so awesome to hear what God is doing in his heart, in his life. And um, I asked him to share uh, a leadership lesson. And he talked perfectly about uh, being yourself and about walking in unity, the importance of fellowship and being connected. And that's that's a great thing about being a part of a network, an affiliation, um, a denomination, is to have that connectivity and quantity and fellowship with one another. And so he does a great job by also explaining not just the principle of scripture of how we're connected and and to be in fellowship with one another but also to give you a little bit more backstory and and just uh some behind the scenes about the calvary global network and how he even got called to do this ministry position and so uh really blessed by jeff he has another podcast as well isms that cause schisms it's gotten up and it's part of the cgn global um network media as well so you have ee leaders you have the church uh, planning cultivate podcast you have jeff's podcast and i just wanted to highlight uh these guys in this episode because god is using them in great ways and so you're really going to enjoy jeff uh, i know i've enjoyed getting to know him and you're going to enjoy this leadership lesson on just the the power of unity we are better together hello my name is jeff guy I have the pleasure of sitting on the executive team of Calvary Global Network. If you're not familiar with Calvary Global Network, you can check us out at calvaryglobalnetwork.com. In 2016, Pastor Brian Broderson, the founder and president of Calvary Global Network, began to have pastors meet together, usually 40 to 50 pastors from around the globe. The first meeting we had was on the West Coast, and we got together for three days simply for a time of prayer, uh, a time of discussion, and fellowship. It was just an amazing time. And so we began to do these gatherings every six months, one on the uh, West Coast and then one on the East Coast. And those, those gatherings still continue today. The second one that we did was in Long Island City, New York. Um, It was just an amazing time. We had, I think, around 50 pastors from around the globe. We had people from Canada and Ireland, um, from from all over the United States. And again, we just got together for prayer and for discussion and for fellowship. It was during that um, that second meeting that uh, we were in a time of prayer. And there was a young man that gave um, a vision that God was showing him. And the vision was of a, of a young man on a boat in the middle of the sea. And there's a large wave about to capsize the, the boat. It was that moment um, that the Lord began to speak to me and to move in my heart in a very powerful way. Uh, kind of moving me in the direction of being a pastor of a local church to pastoring pastors around the world in order to help them to be keep from being capsized by the waves of circumstances that come our way in the ministry. 
And so it was at that time that God really began to move powerfully. Fast forward to 2019. There we are on the West Coast for another meeting. Um, it's the first time that we had actually had a plan and a structure. Uh, we, again, had around 50 pastors getting together. We split them up into different vision teams, and each vision team was given a task to cast a vision to ways that we can come into um, this arena of working together with churches and pastors in order to help them through circumstances of ministry. And one of the phrases that kept coming up in those times was, together we can do much more than we can separately. Um, of course, that just really moved in my heart, knowing that God wanted to do something amazing and something powerful through the Calvary Chapel movement to continue the work that Pastor Chuck began so many years ago, but maybe in a more intentional uh, intentional way, especially when it comes to support in church planting and pastoral care and coaching. As I was thinking about all these times together, of course, um, when I think about prayer and discussion and fellowship, my mind is drawn to that very well-known Greek word, koinonia. Um, the word is used 20 times in the New Testament. 11 of those times it's translated in the word fellowship. Two times it's translated in as the word contribution, and two times as communication. Four times as the act of communion that we're so familiar with. I like how Tyndale defined this word koinonia. Tyndale defines the word fellowship as communion with God, which results in common participation with other believers in the spirit of God and God's blessings. The idea behind this word is one of intimacy and, and oneness. The apostle John uses this word seven times in 1 John um, chapter, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8 or 9. It's used most frequently. I just want to read the first four verses of 1 John um, just to give you an idea of the power uh, of this word. John writes, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifest, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship, koinonia, with us, and truly our fellowship with is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things I write to you that your joy may be full. I have to say um, that these gatherings every six months with these, these special men that have given up their lives, their worldly lives to serve uh, Jesus, we have experienced more joy than you can ever imagine. 
And I love how John begins here, that which was from the beginning, of course, would point us back to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, when Jesus says this, or when John writes this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And then jump down to verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So in the beginning, Jesus came to walk with them and talk with them and to touch them and to pray with them. It was this type of fellowship that Jesus began to build the church in the beginning. In the beginning of the church, we find that this word koinonia is used for the first time in the New Testament. And of course, we find that in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Of course, we all know this scene. We all know that it's it's the day of Pentecost. It's when Peter preaches that message to where 3,000 souls believed and the Holy Spirit moved in them and they were baptized. And then we, we read the effects of the Holy Spirit in their lives when it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all, as anyone had need. So they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. This is just a truly full embodied picture of what koinonia is. It's the first time that word is used here. I can almost see and I can almost picture in my mind the day after Pentecost when people were on their way to work or on their way home from work and they would meet people on the street and they would share with them what they had seen and what they had heard and on Pentecost and they invite them into their homes and they would experience this time of prayer and discussion and fellowship. And what what as we are reading through there, you notice that the their communion turned into contribution. Their communion turned into contribution. This means that, hey, they saw that everything was in common. We would call it communism. Uh, um, they had everything in common, and those that had much would begin to share with those that had little. And it was just this beautiful picture of God. Holy Spirit moving in the people of God that have put in their faith, put in their trust in God. And it said that fear came upon every soul. Fear came upon every soul. 
I was trying to imagine what did he mean by every soul? Was that every soul that had been baptized, that had been filled with the Holy Spirit? I don't think so. For sure, that fear came upon them. But the word used there, the Greek word used there, gives us more of the idea that they were in awe. It was the awesome moving of the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives as they began to do signs and wonders, as they began to share all things in common that moved upon every soul, not only those being born again, but those in the city. Because then we read that God said, or that the Lord added to the church every day, those who were being saved. Man, what a beautiful way to build our churches on this idea of true fellowship. You see, together we can do much more than we can separately. Well, this word became a favorite word of the Apostle Paul. In fact, out of the 20 times that this word is used, 15 of them are used by Paul. And so here's, I just want to read a few of these passages in which Paul uses them in to give us the fuller understanding of this wonderful word, koinonia. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, we see Paul writing this. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, of any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Together, we can do so much more than we can separately. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 through 15, Paul writes this, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for um, for food, supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberty, or excuse me, liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing. There's that word koinonia fellowship with them and all men and by their prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Oh, together we can do so much more than we can separately. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, Paul writes, 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our own tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Oh, together we can do so much more than we can separately. In the book of Philemon, chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, he says, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the koinonia, the sharing of your faith, may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus, for we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. I could go on and on and on, but the apostle Paul understood that together we can do so much more than we can separately. I wanted to draw your attention to the fact that from the beginning, when Jesus was on earth, there was great joy. The book of Acts, chapter 2, we saw that there was gladness of heart and simplicity. And through all of these passages we just read through the Apostle Paul, he's talking about joy. And we began by reading First John that our joy may be full. I like what Spurgeon wrote in regards to joy. He says, too many Christians are passive in their loss of joy. They need to realize that it is a great loss and do everything they can to draw close to God and reclaim the fullness of joy. If any of you have lost the joy of the Lord, I pray that you do not think that it is a small loss. I'd like to end with this. Do you have a fullness of joy? Does your getting together with your church on Sunday mornings and your midweek studies or your home groups or just getting together of other Christians, is it bringing you great joy? Well, Paul, Jesus, and John all say that it should bring us great joy. Hey, don't be passive in your loss of joy. Get together with the brothers and the sisters and, and share with one another all that the Lord is doing. Thank you for your time and God bless you. Well, it's been fun highlighting some of these guys from this cohort and the ministry at Calvary Global Network to you. I want to give a shout out to Aaron. Uh, he's a part of the media team and does such a good job on that and getting these podcasts out and, and spreading the word. There's, again, a lot of resources, calvarychapel.com, and you could even go to media and just find out tons of other stuff there. Uh, it's so cool to be able to see God use friends and people all over the nation touching lives. And uh, one of the big visions of CGN, Calvary Global Network, is to plant churches, uh, cultivate is the church planning program and they have a lot of mentors and coaches um, which I serve as one of them helping other people out and so um, 
one of the big visions and one thing I want to have you be aware of is we have a big, big vision of planting a thousand churches in the next 10 years. And I had an interview conversation with Brian Kelly about that as he's sort of publicly laying out this vision and a part of the executive team of that church planning uh, cultivate program. And so if you are into church planning, if you are into missions and reaching people for Jesus, I would highly recommend you check out that resource, that website and reach out to us because it's not necessarily even have to be a Calvary chapel. Uh, We just want to see disciples made, churches planted and lives changed for the glory of God and for his good for um, for our good and so um man check out this preview of a full patreon interview i actually interviewed him for about 55 minutes to get to know his story he has an extensive amount of missions uh, he's planted uh, a church in uganda uh, he was pastoring and did missions in new zealand he planted a church actually in washington state where i grew up up north and so we've uh i've seen from afar his ministry for over these years and it was just cool to getting to know him and then learning some of the mistakes some of the lessons he's learned and just asking questions and so you can check out the full uh, Patreon interview. Again, I'll put the link of how to join Patreon if you want. Um, but this is just a preview, a six minute preview of the vision that CGN has to plant a thousand churches. I think you'll be pumped and excited uh, about this and uh, it will really bless you. I'd love to have you participate in this vision as well. Yeah, so I, um, I've been part of Calvary Chapels for my whole ministry life. I went to Calvary Chapel Bible College and. uh, 1998, 99. And um, so we work with, we planted Calvary Chapel churches. And um, so, you know, over the, the years, it's just kind of, you know, things have changed a little bit. But Calvary Global Network is um, right up my alley because there's a real heart and emphasis for planting churches. And yeah. you mentioned that, um, that goal of a thousand churches in 10 years. And I just had someone ask me the other day, how can you plant a thousand churches in 10 years? We have to remember Calvary Chapel and Calvary Global Network, there's a lot of churches out there that are part of the network. There's over 1,700 churches, I think, at this point, and um, around that number. And And I was thinking about this the other day, and I told this guy who was asking me, I said, listen, first of all, what do you mean by when you say plant a church? Does that mean that we have to be at a church that has a steeple and has a property and has, you know... Uh, like we kind of know in the Western world, mm-hmm. not at all. Church plant churches are being planted in India. That means there's 25, 30 people in a home, someone's home with a couple of elders. They have communion together. They baptize people. They do evangelism. Yeah. They have a structure, but it's it's not that official kind of building and stuff like we have here. So that's a church. That's part of that number. Um, secondly, you know, there's there's a bunch of churches in the network right now. And if every church, even at this very moment, if every church right now, and this was a, I haven't shared with this with anybody with our Cultivate crew or anything, but yeah. I thought this the other day, I thought when he asked me, if every church in the network would commit to planting at least, you know, one or two churches over the next five to 10 years, think of, think of the impact that we could have. Not to mention those churches that are in those areas like, you know, Southeast Asia, yep. India, where... You, you'll, uh, I did, just did a conference with Jeff Guype on, on Zoom to Indian pastors uh-huh. in India. And he did a, he was just over there two months ago at a CGN conference with 20, 25 pastors. Exactly. Yeah. So these guys are like, they'll just like go to a conference and then 50 new churches are planted. 
just like that. I mean, there's like, it's like I brought my brother and his friend. They're going to start churches in their houses too because, you know, there's persecution in a lot of those of areas. Of course, yeah. So they'll have a network of uh, church leaders. So what we would call as uh, kind of a multi-site thing, that's a Western kind of thing. Yeah. They would say these are, these are churches and then they'll have pastors or elders that oversee 10, 20, 30 churches at a time. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's talk a little bit about that because that was a little bit of your experience in Uganda, right? As far as you not only planted a church in Uganda, but you sent out a lot of guys. Uh, just give me a little history and, and talk about that just for us to, to know it can be done. Micro churches, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, or yep. different ways of doing church. But the gospel is the power of God to save. It works in these areas. And talk about how you were in the city and then people from the villages came and then went back out. What's yeah, yeah, like? good. Yeah, so we were in Uganda for 10 years, and we went over. I was 23. My wife was 22, so we were young. We had a one-year-old, and my wife was pregnant. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that was was another day. That was another day for sure. But we went over there, and we um, we went with a a lead pastor who had this vision to plant the church and and everything. So we're like, yeah, right on. And I mentioned this in um, my leadership lesson, but he ended up coming back to the States for various reasons. But... I became the pastor kind of by default. That's how I became a pastor at age 24. Yeah. And what um, a blessing. What a blessing. You know, I didn't know what I was doing, but I loved God. I loved his word. And um, what we found, to answer your question, in the city, so we were in Kampala, which is the capital city, two to four million people basically okay. in that city area. The way it works in Uganda and many other African countries and also many other, you know, developing nation countries is you'll have the capital city that has international trade. That's where the money can be made. So Mm -hmm. what these families will do from the villages, the villages are out remotely. They don't have a lot of, you know, many don't have running water, don't have power. They'll send the young men and young women into the cities to make money, to go to college, university, and that sort of thing. And then what happens is those kids will then send that support back out to their villages. What we found was that when we started this church, we started also a Bible college, Calvary Chapel Bible College Extension Campus. And these, these students would then go back out to their villages and want to replicate what we were doing in the city as far as the Calvary Chapel church that we were doing. Yeah. So they would plant churches in their villages. You know, some of them would meet under a tree. You know what I mean? They had no steeple. Yeah. They didn't even have pews. They didn't have chairs. They ha- made these uh, mats that they would weave together. Uh-huh. And they would sit under the tree, literally, and uh, so someone asked us the other day, I'm part of this Cultivate Church Planning Program. Hey, can we be a Calvary Chapel? Can we be a CGN church if we don't have a building, if we just meet under a tree? And the answer is, yeah, of course you can. As long as you hang the Calvary dove right on that, <laughs> from one of the branches, like an ornament. <laughs> or just like tattoo Christmas, it to your arm. Like, yeah, you tattoo right? it, then wherever oh, you go, man. man. That's Calvary Chapel. Yeah. Chuck Smith. That's amazing. How many churches did you actually plant from that sort of hub or that model? Yeah, so they're still going strong. There's a local Ugandan pastor now that pastors that church. His name's mm-hmm. Zeddy Mazungu, and um, they are still planting churches. But when we were there, there were probably around 15 or 20 that had gone out okay. um, from there. And then they're also it's hard to it's hard to gauge because in these countries it's not like, you know, in America we're so good we can just. We're, we're, I don't know if it's a good thing, but we can get all the spreadsheets and all the numbers and, you know, here's a church, here's where they're located, here's the address, you know, that's one. Yeah. But there, it's like, you'll have a couple guys go to a village and they'll start Bible studies that become churches and those will start other ones. So it's almost like a, a very organic 
like you said, kind of a micro church type of scenario where they're still getting direction and leadership in many cases from the local pastor that's sent out, but there's multiple churches and congregations that are happening. And that's how it's places like China, places like India, that's how it's really spreading. And in Uganda when we were there too. So, Well, it has been a jam-packed episode. Listen, I I try to keep them real about an hour. Uh, I know that you may not do this in one setting, but that's okay. For my schedule, every other week works well because I'm doing more ministry behind the scenes. The heart of EE Leaders is to encourage and equip church leaders like yourself, and the Leadership Lessons podcast is just one way to do that. Please check us out on social media. We have little reels and snippets and articles and different things that are going on. We have uh, a YouTube channel that we're really trying to build and... and, and, um, Really encourage people to check it out because you can get one of these leadership lessons uh, without the hour-long podcast and show it to your team. Send the link. It's a way to, again, give resources out. YouTube is a great resource. I'd love for you to subscribe. Hit the bell button. Uh, As you know, we're back on video. And so uh, I like setting up in my office uh, the camera so I could like talk to it as if I imagine all the church leaders uh, looking and having an actual meeting with you. And so I'm praying for you. I appreciate you um thank you guys all so much for your support and letting me just uh share a little bit about my uh calvary chapel um connection um and my infinity and love for them you know i don't know where you're connected with but i tell people you should be connected Uh, no movement no affiliation no network is perfect but calvary chapel is my dysfunctional family i tell people and i love them and so uh, appreciate guys like uh like a jim gallagher in my life like uh just a regional director in south florida um of the cca movement and just this connection and being able to give people call and and have love and accountability and support and ask questions and I will continue to introduce some of these guys uh, especially Billy who I co-host this cohort with Um, I just the hours up so I needed to have another episode to introduce him properly to you and he's going to give a leadership lesson one piece of advice we have more pastors more ministry leaders more new people I've never introduced to you um on the second half of season five, uh, we're going to go to 22 episodes throughout the end of the year to, to Christmas or the end of the year. And uh, it's really going to be sweet. I'm really looking forward to how God uh, has given us um, more wisdom, more principles to lean from and learn from, uh, from all these other men and women that are being able to pour in to us. And so, man, what a blessing it is to serve Jesus, right? And so I'm so excited to be able to be back with you. Uh, For all you audio listeners, man, there are a lot of you. Thank you so much. Can you keep on spreading the word? Can you share? Can you like? Can you just put it on social media? Man, we want as many people to know about these free resources as possible, and we appreciate all that you do. So listen, there's nothing better than doing what God has called you to do. Keep doing it. We're praying for you. We appreciate you. And whatever tribe you're from, man, may you guys do that to the glory of God and just continue to follow him. Don't give up. He is with you and we will check you out in the next episode.